Hello everyone, it's Sarah Archer and you're listening to episode 19 of the Speaking Club podcast. It's the last one in comedy months. Waka waka waka. I think I managed to do that now. Wasn't very good on the first one. Welcome to the Speaking Club podcast because making them laugh is the secret sauce to your speaking, pitching and business success. And now your host, Sarah Archer. Hello and welcome to the show. Yes, indeed, it is the last one in Comedy Month, although I do suspect that there might be some more comedy episodes to come. Now, preparing the show was a challenge. It reminded me of when I used to get ready to fly home from Florida about 20 years ago. Those were the days one English pound note would get you a holiday for five and the keys to the Magic Kingdom. Now a pound coin wouldn't even get you the key to a gas station toilet. (laughs) We bought so much stuff in those days that closing the suitcase was a two-bum job. Still, we gave them a beer and they went back to their street corner happy. (laughs) (laughs) And when you got back to the UK, going through the nothing-to-declare bit of customs, that was also a bottom-clenching moment. Or so I'm told. Just like my Florida suitcase, I had trouble fitting all I want to share with you about using humour in public speaking into one show. So I didn't. Like I said, this is going to be Humour 101 and I'll do some more for you down the line. Now my aim for this show is to give you an idea of why humour is a great tool for speakers, uh, give you the key ingredients for making jokes work, some ideas for creating material and the confidence to give it a go. Now, I'm hoping that listening to my great guests over the last few episodes has illustrated what humour can do for your audience, your message and your speaking career. Now, Celia said, remember, she got more bookings and more money because she started using humour in her speaking. But you might not be convinced. And I know that to a lot of people, the thought of combining comedy and public speaking feels like being asked to juggle sharks and clowns while standing in a pit of snakes. It's not nice. Ask Theresa May. (laughs) That's the last of that, I promise. I just wanted to to illustrate that you need to leave some space for a laugh after you deliver the punchline, which is one of the comedy golden rules. A few more of those as we go along. Did you know, though, that contrary to what you might think, canned laughter actually does work in making something funnier? You can't really take an audience in your pocket round with you, those. Anyway, we just try and make the jokes funny in the first place. So whilst using humour in your public speaking might seem big and scary, I promise you humour is something you can learn, something you can practice and something that will set you apart from other speakers. It will also make you feel fantastic when your audience laughs. Okay, aside from taking your career or business forward, making you feel amazing and increasing your confidence, what are the benefits of adding humour into your speaking? Well, here's just a few. Humour helps speakers and businesses, as a matter of fact, get their message across, remembered and get it shared. Now, Sir Ken Robinson's TED Talk about creativity and education has an average of 2.33 laughs per minute. Let me just put this in context for you. A professional comedian is aiming for four to five laughs per minute. So what Ken does is pretty amazing. And I believe this is a big reason why his talk is one of, if not the most watched TED Talks ever. So using humour also helps to give your talk shaping. 
in most films and TV programs, you'll see writers are going to stick in some humour before something bad happens. And the purpose is to give the audience some relief. I mean, audiences need a break from tension and humour does that job. And the last couple of reasons. People love to laugh. Simples. And if you use some comedy in the right way, they'll like you more too. And being likeable is a big part of being a successful speaker. Okay, so you know why you should be using it. Now let's get into the nuts and bolts a bit more. I want to take a quick stroll through what makes people laugh. You know, what makes, pe- what makes something funny? I've, I've got to say it's not an exact science, but generally people laugh when they're surprised. And surprise is really at the heart of all forms of jokes. Incongruence is another reason. Pairing two things that don't normally go together is funny. It's a funny image in your head. It's just funny. Um, a shared experience or worldview makes something funny, which is why you sometimes hear the words, I guess you had to be there. But if you were there, you might be falling about with laughter. And this is also the reason why we laugh at people, um, you know, poke fun at professions or celebrities. But big caveat here, this is where doing your audience research comes in. Sometimes doing a joke about a CEO at a corporate gig will go down an absolute storm. Other times, not so much. The last reason we laugh goes back to the point I made a little bit earlier, and that's to get relief from pain or tension. I I heard a magician once say that he didn't need to write jokes because the audiences would laugh naturally after he, you know, did a death-defying illusion or a dangerous trick. And the reason that they laugh is because they've been in suspense and they welcome the relief. A comedy does that and it is also very cathartic. You'll notice even when something awful happens in life, people are making jokes about it almost immediately. You've only got to look at Seth Meyers' opening speech at the 2018 Golden Globes, which had loads of jokes about the sexual harassment stuff that was going on, but was also a really good example of all the other reasons I've mentioned why people laugh. It's got surprise, it's got incongruence, jokes that work because of a shared view, and, and so on. And I'm going to share with you a snippet so you can hear it all in action. Here's Seth Meyers. Good evening, ladies and remaining gentlemen. I'm Seth Myers, and I'll be your host tonight. Welcome to the 75th annual Golden Globes and Happy New Year, Hollywood. It's 2018, marijuana is finally allowed and sexual harassment finally isn't. It's gonna be a good year. This was the year of Big Little Lies and Get Out, and also the television series Big Little Lies and the movie Get Out. (laughs) There's a new era underway, and I can tell, because it's been years since a white man was this nervous in Hollywood. (laughs) By the way, a special hello to hosts of other upcoming award shows who are watching me tonight like the first dog they shot into outer space. (laughs) 
For the male nominees in the room tonight, this is the first time in three months it won't be terrifying to hear your name read out loud. <laughs> I'll put the link to the full monologue in the show notes if you want to have a listen to that. And the reason why the jokes in Seth's monologue worked so well was because their target was always men, including himself. Which leads me nicely onto the basic ingredients that every joke needs to have. So just like when you bake a cake, if you don't use the right ingredients, the cake won't rise or it won't taste right. You need to get it all right. And a guy called Melvin Hellitzer came up with a handy acronym for the ingredients that every joke needs to have to work. Whether it's a one-liner, a story or a three-act play. And that acronym is called the Threes Formula. That's T-H-R-E-E-S, threes. And I'm going to take you through that now. The T stands for target. Every joke has got to have one. Now, the safest target is you. Self-deprecation is great. It shows people that you're human and you don't take yourself too seriously. Other targets can be other people, places, things, ideas or events. Now, I'd always advise to steer clear of ideology or religion as a target unless you're a part of the group that you're mocking. Now, you've probably noticed that often people from minority groups or specific professions or countries will make a joke about that thing that, you know, that that group or that profession or whatever. And that's because one of comedy's golden rules is this. If you are it, you can make a joke about it. Again, using Seth Meyers' monologue as an example, the reason the jokes landed so well was that he was a man mocking other men. If they'd had a woman compare doing the same jokes, they wouldn't have worked so well, unless there were only women in the room. Now, the last and perhaps most important thing to say about the target is that it needs to be as specific as possible. The comedy is always in the detail. Remember that? The comedy is always in the detail. Okay, now we come to the H in the formula, which stands for hostility. Often people will talk about great jokes needing attitude and they're absolutely correct. If there's no strong opinion about the target, then the joke won't work, which leads me to another comedy golden rule. A joke must always, always go from good to bad or bad to worse. The hostility or attitude is going to be the driving force behind making this happen. And hostility comes from our hang-ups, which are usually related to one of these categories. Money, authority, physical characteristics, sex, family or angst and the modern world. Okay, here's an example. So recycling might be the target of a joke, but the underlying attitude could be a dislike of being told what to do. We're sort of rebelling against authority. And it will be that which makes it funny. Or someone could be moaning away about the way that people with expensive cars park them. And likely that will have an underlying attitude of jealousy linked to money. They normally all go back to those core things I talked about. And comedians will always, you know, kind of play with different attitudes and emotions while they're creating material because that is genuinely where the comedy comes from. Okay, now the R in the threes formula stands for realism. So in order for you to understand why a joke must have realism, I kind of need to lift the bonnet and show you under the hood to the structure of a joke. 
Now, I mentioned the magician earlier, and there are a lot of similarities between what a comedian needs to do to make a joke work and what a magician needs to do to make a trick work. Both rely on misdirection for success. So with the joke setup line, a comedian is getting the audience to make an assumption and the punchline takes them in a completely different direction. Here's a couple of examples with a few proverbs. A watched pot never beats a TV. Necessity is the mother of felicity. So the reason why a joke has to have an element of realism in is because you need the audience to make the target assumption. And that won't happen if they don't buy into it. Good. On to the E. The first E is exaggeration. And this is as critical in the punchline as the realism is in the setup. It's also important in your delivery too. The bigger the contrast, the funnier the joke will be. And in the punchline, the scenario can be completely illogical and silly. And you kind of like, if you think about the, the realism and the exaggeration in jokes, it's kind of like, you know, when you have comedy duos, you have a straight man and then you have a sort of clown. And it's kind of the same thing in that scenario too. Okay, the next E is emotion or also think of it in terms of tension as well. Now I'm going to use my old friend, the magician again. And when a magician does a trick, there's always something at stake. If it's a simple card trick, it will be their reputation. If it's escaping from a straight jacket whilst being submerged in a water-filled tank, then it could be their life at stake. And the fact that there is something at stake creates tension and emotion in the audience, which causes them to laugh when the tension is burst or relieved. Now, a comedian also has to evoke an emotion and tension in the audience, both in the material and in the delivery of the joke. Audiences are interested in how you feel about the stories you tell, and that works for straight speaking as well if you're telling stories. And in comedy, exaggerating an attitude or an emotion will make it a hundred times funnier. One of the exercises I get my uh, students to do is to perform love, hatred, fear and lust, you know, and, and we do an exercise where they have to escalate those emotions. If you've watched comedy and I, if you are serious about adding humour to your speaking or even just becoming a better speaker, I would urge you to watch more stand-up comedy. When you watch it, you'll notice that comedians will leave a beat before they deliver the punchline. And there's two reasons for that. Firstly, it builds the tension that we need for the joke, but also it's like a tacit signal to the audience that the punchline is coming up. So yes, there we go. It's, that's really an important golden rule. Leave that beat before the punchline. Now the S stands for surprise. And as I said at the start, this is the cornerstone of any joke. Without a twist, it won't be funny. Quite often that twist is going to come from a word or a phrase or an idea that can have two meanings. And when I talk about the comedian getting the audience to make an assumption in the setup, it's normally leading them to have one interpretation of the thing that can have two meanings and then surprising them with a completely different twist on that same word. So that's where puns and wordplay come into comedy quite a lot because they are brilliant for getting the audience to believe one thing and then going down a completely different path.
So look for those words that can have two meanings or phrases that can have two meanings. They're a great source of material. So you know what the ingredients of a joke are and you know that there has to be a setup and a punchline. But where do you get the ideas for material? Well, as I say to my students, sometimes the universe smiles on you and the idea for a joke appears. Da, 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 da. But you can't rely on that. So here are some sources for material. Now, you can think about events that have happened to you, everyday life you've observed. And one of the things that I'd recommend, another comedy golden rule, is get yourself a little notebook, as Celia mentioned in her podcast, and carry it around with you or make notes on your uh, phone, your smartphone. But things happen and you just, you've got to take notice because uh, they're funny things happen every day and they really are a good source of material for comedy. Then there's news stories. Contradictions in your life are often things that uh, will generate comedy. Company brochures, believe it or not, some company brochures have great setup lines that you can uh, turn into jokes. Proverbs, cliches, things that annoy you, statistics, things that your children have said or done. There's a speaker called John Acuff who uses lots of material that's funny around what his children have said. And to be honest, the bottom line is you can find jokes about anything. The material is always there. It's finding gold in the mine that's hard. Okay, so how do you find that gold? Well, you just need to look in all the wrong places <laughs> to ask questions, dissect words, and give your imagination and subconscious space. Because what happens often is we're tr struggling to think of a joke and in the shower or in the car, suddenly your brain will be working away and it will come to you, the answer to the punchline. There are lots of different techniques and exercises you can use to come up with ideas for material. And here are just a couple I've got for you. Okay, the first one is called rant and reverse. So what you need to do here is pick something that really winds you up. It could be related to your speaking topic, because sometimes we speak about things we're passionate about. We've got a lot of views and opinions on the right way and the wrong way to do it. Or it could be something completely different. Then what I want you to do is to write or rant for five minutes on that subject. And if you're doing it out loud, make sure you record yourself. So if you start to dry up, there's a few statements here that you can use to keep you going. So these statements are, it's not as if... If I were in charge, I'd be lying if I said the real challenge here is it would serve them right if and in another universe. And there's probably other ones that you can come up with yourself. So you're speaking away and you start to dry up. You just look at these prompts and you carry on ranting away. Now, you might get some great ideas for material during the rant part of this exercise, especially if you push yourself into the creative corners of your mind. And that just means keeping going when you do start to dry up. Because, the, the, you know, it's normally like, remember, I don't know if you listen to Ashley Freeze's podcast, he said when he's comparing, he doesn't choose the first response or the second, he chooses the third. And this is a similar, you need to push yourself and the gold is quite often needs a little bit more digging deep to get it. Now, what I want you to do next is to reverse this and now talk about the same subject for five minutes or write for five minutes as if you thought it was the best thing since sliced bread and all the reasons why it's the best thing since sliced bread. 
And here, when again, when you dry up, if you dry up, because you might just keep going, you might be one of those lucky people whose brain just runs on and on and on. And some here's some ideas for some statements that will help you if you do dry up. I get tingly all over thinking about it because if it didn't exist, then I love it when if I were in charge, people who don't understand should. Okay, so that's that one. Rant and reverse. See what comes out of that one for you. Now, the next one is called questions are the answer. So here you take a topic. Remember, try and be as specific as possible. The comedy is in the detail and ask questions that start to look at that thing in new ways. Now, I don't know if you're in a company, you probably had this experience when a new employee joins a company, they've got no baggage, they're completely objective, and they might look at something in a completely fresh way that everyone else just kind of accepts or takes for granted. And then they sort of create, you know, fresh innovation because they look at stuff in that fresh way, in that new way. So here are some ideas for questions to start you thinking about things in a different way. Okay, that thing, try and describe it to an alien. Remember, an alien won't know our language, so you might need to explain a lot. You might need to break words down. Um, and from that, you might find some new things about your topic, which are absurd, because some things we just think are normal and they just sound absurd, and things that could be mined further for a joke. And now also there are analogies. So thinking about your topic, what are other things that this thing could be like in different, I know, industries or countries or cultures, professions, planets, I don't know, Star Trek? It's the world's your earwig, basically. So I use an analogy about humour in speaking. And that is, just to give you an example, humour is to speaking what anaesthetist is to surgery. You can do without either, but the subject might not wake up. Although I can always struggle saying anaesthetist. I probably said it wrong there. Anyway, if you go off at a tangent in this exercise, that is completely fine. Because going down a rabbit hole when you're writing comedy is absolutely the right thing to do. Okay, so you know why people laugh. What ingredients make something funny? The core joke structure of setup punch. And you've got some ideas for generating material. So the next thing I want to cover off briefly is where should speakers use humour? Because you aren't a comedian. And you also need to do the education and the inspiration part of your talk too. Although sometimes good jokes can do all three. Good places to use your humour are right at the start. And I don't mean the start of your presentation. I mean sometimes something happens or you're in a venue or the, there's something about the audience. That if you can find something funny to say that's in the moment or about your journey, whatever, then it can be a great way to break the ice, put your audience at ease and get them to start relating to you. Um, so yeah, that'd be an icebreaker really. And then humour's also brilliant with what I call a lightning bolt. So at, at the beginning and end of a presentation, and you can use the humour in a story or a shocking statement or a subverted proverb like the ones I was doing before or a cliche, and in comedy, you know, you always start with your best material and you finish with your best material. And the same holds true with speaking, in my opinion. Others might disagree. But I think you need to have a, a good, strong start and a good, strong finish that is memorable. 
Now, stories that you already use in your talk may be a great place to add in some humour. Data and statistics are also classics for humour. And using that alien question or the analogy technique on data and statistics can create some very funny ways to present the information that makes it more memorable and engaging. And lastly, as I mentioned before, when you have some heavy parts of your talk, either because they're information rich or challenging or highly emotional, humour is a great way to give the audience some relief from the tension. Now, the next thing to tell you is that you need to practice. Please don't use a joke on stage without trying it on a few people or on social media. You can do it that way, too. Although, I, you know, you can't guarantee how an audience is going to react from one gig to the next, to be honest. But if you've tried it on a few people and they like it, give it a go. And then give it maybe a two or three goes because all audiences are different. You know, so if, make, give it a little go before you uh, throw it away. OK, before I wind up, I'm going to leave you with the three most important tips about delivering your humour, some of which I've already mentioned. but I really need to recap these. Firstly, do leave a beat before the punchline. To create that tension and to send that tacit signal to the audience. Secondly, don't laugh at your own jokes or certainly not before the audience. And lastly, please, please don't cut off the laughter. As illustrated by my canned laughter at the beginning, you need to give the audience space to laugh and then begin talking again just as it starts to fade. If you talk over the laugh, you'll train them to stop because they'll be thinking, oh, I might miss something, so I won't laugh. So let that, it's like, a, I always think of it as a wave breaking over me. You know, I, I just, just start talking again when the wave dies out. I've just taken myself off to a, a, a lovely beach there <laughs> just for a moment in the middle of the podcast. Anyway, well, that's it. Um, I've tried to give you what I think are the essentials, but obviously there's lots more to share. I'll put the details of the exercises in the show notes along with my comedy golden rules. And they're just mine, but they are quite, I think I've heard them in lots of places. So other people will probably agree with most of them. So that is it. All that's left for me to say, as usual, is thank you very much for listening. I hope you start to use humour because we all need more laughter, especially at the moment. I think there's a lot of serious, troubling stuff going on in the world and a good laugh is as good as a rest. I think I've just created a new uh, thing there. And if you get value out of the podcast, please take a couple of minutes to leave a rating or review and also come and say hello on Twitter. At Sarah Archer 15 is my handle. Back to the old CB radio days, breaker breaker, uh, at Sarah Archer 15. And all that's left for me to say is to, as usual, go out, grab your life by the nuts and get cracking jokes. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Speaking Club podcast at www.saraharcher.co.uk.